1: He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: There is a judgment yet to come. And we will stand before that court of the Lord Jesus. There is an issue that must be dealt with in each of our hearts before we go to stand before that judgment bar. It is probably the most painful part of being a Christian. It is not dealt with quickly or easily. It is, to sum it up in one word, Self-worship. What is self-worship? It is when we look out at the world and our circumstances from the perspective that I am the center, that everything must be looked upon based on what I think and what I want, what my goals are, and so from that place i can make judgments against others i can make accusations from that place i can decide what is good and what is evil remember that's what that's what eve did in the garden she took that that piece of fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil saying I want to be the one who gets to decide what is right or wrong. And by so doing, she placed herself right at the center of her life. Self-worship is the most common problem facing any human person who must make a decision about how they want to face the judgment bar of God. For self-worship is idolatry. So if I am not the center of my life, what should be the center? Should it be my wife or my child? Should it be my job? Should it be my house, my pets? No. All of that is idolatry. There's only one person who the scriptures recognize as being worthy to be the very center, to have everything focused on him and for him. And his name is Jesus. So when I look at the world, I don't look at it. Through my judgments, I look to Jesus. Now, I'd like to read for you three brief passages of Scripture that will help us focus. And then I'm going to share with you some material from a book that you've heard me if you've been listening very long a book that I have a great deal of love and respect for, and that is Reese Howell, Intercessor by Norman Grubb. If you have not read this book, I cannot urge you strongly enough to order it and carefully read and reread and reread. Next to the Bible, it has had more of an impact on my life than any other single thing I have read. So let me begin with the words of Jesus in Matthew, the 10th chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now just briefly, why would I take up a cross? It is an instrument of death. That cross must be taken up and self must be crucified before I am worthy or able to follow Jesus. I am not called to find my life, to find my place of respect and success, to find my place of pleasure. I am instead to lose my life for his sake, for Jesus, and to follow him and to follow him alone. The second passage that I'd like to read for you is found in Matthew, the 16th chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. And then the last passage of Scripture that I would like to read for you is found in Luke, the 14th chapter. If anyone does not come to me, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, I want to be very straightforward with you. The greatest battle of my life has been to continually take up my cross, and follow Jesus. I keep wanting to revert to looking at people and the world through me as a sinner. What is it that I expect? What is it that I want? What is it that I think? What is it that I feel? And as the Holy Spirit confronts me with that wicked self-worship, I have to again take up my cross and follow Jesus. It is as natural as breathing air, self-worship. It is what we were born into. It is what we have watched everywhere we have observed. We have seen people with their own self-interest playing out their games, their bitterness, their power plays. And we have participated. And I have made many mistakes. I have sinned against the Lord many times in this issue. It requires a total giving up of ourselves in the hands of Jesus to allow the Holy Spirit to bring to bear on our hearts all that is necessary that we can finally see reality for what it is, It doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter what criticism you level at me. It may even be a correct criticism, but that can't control my heart because my heart no longer belongs to me. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And he has said, I have forgiven you. I have washed you. I have made you clean. So now, whatever accusations may come, I can listen and then forgive. Unless I want to go back to self-worship. I dread self-worship more than any other part of the sin conundrum that we are faced with with the devil thinking that my thoughts are right my way is right and if everyone would just do it my way if you would think my way no I don't want you to think my way I want you to think Jesus way I want you to read the scriptures and pray and let Jesus utterly empty your heart of all self-worship. I hear some people say the nastiest things, and it would be so easy to rise up, to bite, to devour, to fight. But you know, as I have Gone to cemeteries, and I've walked and I've looked at the graves. I have never yet had one of the dead men or women rise up in that cemetery and say, How dare you walk on my grave? Get off my grave! Never happened. Dead men don't talk, dead men don't strike like a serpent. Dead men put everything into the hands of Jesus and trust him with what he wants to do. Now believe me, this is the most difficult struggle you will face in this walk with Jesus. For everything wants to rise up in a man's heart and say, I will have my way. I'm right, you're wrong. Do it my way. Say it my way. That's all self-worship. Alex, my dear brother, has just written, Only dead men see God. Oh, he's so right. Only dead men can be resurrected. And only resurrected men can enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I want to read for you a portion of this chapter entitled, The Holy Spirit Takes Possession. Because, please hear me when I say, my experience is that this process is usually not done overnight. It may take some time to consider, to weep for one's own Wicked heart, to consider carefully what I have said and what I have done, and then to repent. I'm going to begin reading for you in Reese Howell's Intercessor by Norman Grubb on page 36. Nothing is more real to me than the process I went through for that whole week. The Holy Spirit went on dealing with me, exposing the root of my nature, which was self. And you can only get out of a thing what is in its root. Sin was canceled, and it wasn't sin it was dealing with. It was self, that thing which came from the fall. He was not going to take any superficial surrender. He put his finger on each part of my self-life, and I had to decide in cold blood. He could never take a thing away until I gave my consent. Then the moment I gave it, some purging took place. Isaiah 6, verses 5-7 through And I could never touch that thing again. It was not saying I was purged and the thing still having a hold on me, No. It was a breaking, and the Holy Spirit taking control. Day by day, the dealing went on. He was coming in as God, and I had lived as a man. And what is permissible to an ordinary man, he told me, will not be permissible to you. This process of sanctification... Reese Howells wrote also about this. I want to turn to page 95 and just read a sentence or two. He writes, in all these experiences, the experiences I'm now describing for you, the Lord had a twofold purpose, the blessing of the needy and the transformation of his servant. The Holy Ghost took me through grade after grade. He said the process of changing one's nature, replacing the self-nature by the divine nature, was very slow and bitter. It was daily dying and showing forth the life of Christ. It is a bitter process. It has been an exceedingly bitter and painful and long process for me to deal with my own arrogance, my own pride, my own lack of humility, wanting to have what I want, to be able to say what I want to say, I'm going to say this in all humility. I pray that the words I speak on this broadcast are not offensive to you. But if they are offensive to you, don't come and speak to me about it. Go to the Holy Spirit. Go to Jesus, because I, on this broadcast, am strictly disciplined by the Holy Spirit To speak only what he gives me, regardless of how that might offend a sinner man or a sinner woman. The goal of my being on this broadcast is to speak the word of God in such a way that your salvation is secured. And that you can be used by the Holy Spirit for the work of gathering in the lost and the dying. We're at a point in time and history where we can't play games with God or with our friends or with our family. We must speak in love, honestly. Now, sometimes people think they're speaking honestly in love. But their heart is full of rancor. It takes time for these things to be dealt with by the Holy Spirit. So it's not my job to deal with you. It's my job to come and speak what he gives me to speak. It's not my job to confront you or to discipline you. It's my job to speak the word as he gives it to me. And that's what I'm doing day by day. If the shoe fits, slip it on. If it doesn't, let it go. Take everything that I say to the Holy Spirit, accept or reject. Your salvation must be worked out with fear and trembling between yourself and the Lord God of heaven. You do not work out your salvation between you and me. And I don't work out my salvation with you and me. I work out my salvation day by day, being crucified with Christ and learning how to walk humbly before him and speak his word with absolute vulnerability, with love, with honesty. Continuing with what happened in this process, First, there was the love of money, the root of evil, which had formerly taken Reese to America. The Lord told him that he would take out of his nature all taste for money and any ambition for the ownership of money. You see, self-worship wants first and foremost to be in charge of money because money is power. It is worshipping a false god. He writes, I had to consider what that would mean. Money would be no more to me than it was to John the Baptist or to the Savior. To an extent, this was dealt with in my new birth. But now the Holy Spirit was getting at the root. The dealing on that lasted a whole day. And by the evening, my attitude toward money had entirely changed. Then there was the fact that he would never have the right to a choice to make about a home. I saw I could never give my life to another person, to live to that one alone. Could the Savior have given his life and attention to one person instead of to a lost world? Neither could the Holy Spirit. He took plenty of time to show me exactly what it would mean. The life he would live would be for the world. Was I willing for that? Reese Howells was later married, but it was very clear that Jesus stood between he and his wife. He brought them together. He gave them to each other. But first was Jesus. There was no self-worship in his selection of a wife or in the way he lived with her. Did he love her with all of his heart? Did he worship her? Never. Among other things that were dealt with was ambition. How could he have any ambition if the Holy Ghost came in? The way the Lord showed it to him was like this. Supposing he had a mission in a town and another mission opened in the same place, If there was jealousy between the two and it was better for the town only to have one, then it would be his which would have to go. Or suppose that he and another man should apply for the same job. He would have to let the other man have it. Or if he was earning twelve shillings a day and another man with a family was earning less, the Spirit could tell him to give his job to that man, He saw the Holy Spirit in ways like that, taking the place of the other and suffering instead of him. Yes, he was willing for that. Now, just a a brief note. Do you hear what he's saying? That the Holy Spirit would ask Reese to take up the position of suffering that another person would not need to suffer. Was he willing for that? On the fifth day, his reputation was touched. As he was thinking of men in the Bible who were full of the Holy Spirit, and particularly John the Baptist, the Lord said to him, Then I may live through you the kind of life I live through him, a Nazarite clothed in camel's hair living in a desert. Even in this, or what might be its modern equivalent, A real decision had to be made. If I live my life in you, and that is the kind of life I choose, you cannot stop me. That was the the Lord's word on it. As the Savior was despised, he must be willing also to be despised. This is a very painful one. It touches our reputation. What if others say evil things about us? Do we rise to the defense and bite them back? No. No. Are we despised? Yes, it's okay if we're despised. Men can say whatever they'd like to say about us. They can scorn us. They can turn against us the issue is do we worship our reputation or do we worship Jesus Christ self-worship wants to rise up and say you can't treat me this way it's wrong <laughs> self-worship wants to say it's your problem I'm okay. Leave me alone. Go away. Self worship wants to say he's just a scallywag anyway. And with hostile judgment, cast them away. That's self worship. I've struggled with that. The need to protect my reputation. After all, what does a man have if he doesn't have his reputation? Oh, I can answer that now. He has Jesus. He has the forgiveness of his sins. He has the presence of the Holy Spirit. He has the mighty hand of Jesus that carries him through financially physically, spiritually, he has Jesus. By Friday night, each point of my self-worship had been faced. Reese knew exactly what was being offered, the choice between temporal or eternal gain. Reading again, the Spirit summed up the issue for him this way, On no account will I allow you to cherish a single thought of self, and the life I will live in you will be a 100% for others. You will never be able to save yourself any more than the Savior could when he was on the earth. Now, are you willing? And Reese was to give his final answer. How would you answer? Are you willing to give up every single thought of self? Of what you want? Of what you think? Are you willing to give up your judgments? Are you willing to give up being right? I was raised in a family where it seemed to me that the highest value was to be right. To be right. That is the epitome of self worship. To believe that I am right that I have perceived correctly what is actually going on and I have a commentary to give you on that. And I have a right to cut you off, to judge you, to speak evil against you. I have a right to do whatever I want to do. That's self-worship. The Holy Spirit said to him, on no account will I allow you to cherish a single thought of self, and the life I will live in you will be one hundred percent for others. You will never be able to save yourself, any more than the Savior could when he was on the earth. Now, are you willing? That night, a friend said to, to Reese. If some of us come over after the meeting, will you tell us of your position in Christ? At once the Spirit challenged him. How can you do that? You have seen the position of the overcomers, but you have not entered in. I have been dealing with you for five days. You must give me your decision by six o'clock tonight, and remember, you must go out. On no account will I allow you to bring in a cross current. Where I send you, you will go. What I say to you, you will do. It was on. The final battle of the will. The final battle of self-worship. Have you fought this battle? I have been bloodied with this battle. I have been bruised and broken by this battle to utterly humbly give the Holy Spirit permission to come in to take over my life that it would no longer be my life. It would be the life of Jesus as he chooses to live it in this body And in this mind and in this heart. Self worship will keep you or me out of the kingdom of God when we face that great day of final judgment. Self worship is looking at the world with me at the center. And I'm able then to throw stones at anybody who comes close. I'm willing to judge anything that happens around me. I have many opinions. Can I be honest with you? My opinion is only worth what it costs. It won't cost you anything. It's not worth anything. What is worth something and what is important is the opinion of Jesus Christ. The judgment of Jesus Christ. The words of Jesus Christ. What is important is that I allow Jesus to live through me a sacrificed life. Not protesting, not fighting. There's a marked difference between A worm and a snake. A snake will strike. Whether it has poisonous venom in its mouth or whether it's simply going to bite you. A worm, all it can do is wiggle. Feel the pain and wait for the rain to come and wash it off the sidewalk we were singing that beautiful song what a wretch I am except the old word used to be what a worm I am people didn't like that word because it cut across their self-identity most of us have worked hard all of our lives to establish the identity for ourselves that we desire to have, what we want people to think of us, what our reputation is. I don't come today with a reputation to protect or to defend. I don't come today ready to strike or bite I come to not worship Ray Greenley, but to humble my heart before Almighty God and to say, Lord, come in and have your way, whatever that is. If it's to continue this broadcast, then praise God, I'll continue this broadcast. If it's to leave the air, then I'll leave the air. Whatever he wants, that's what I want. I want what Jesus wants. I have placed myself squarely in his hands. I asked him, Reese said, for more time. But he said, you will not have a minute after six o'clock. When I heard that, it was exactly as if a wild beast was roused in me. You gave me free will, I answered, and now you force me to give it up? I do not force you, he replied. But for three years, have you not been saying that you are not your own and that you wanted to give your life back to the Savior as completely as he gave his for you? Oh, I climbed down in a second. The way I had said it was an insult. To the Trinity. I'm sorry, I told him. I didn't mean what I said. You are not forced to give up your will, he said, but at six o'clock I will take your decision, and after that you will never get another chance." It was my last offer, my last chance. I saw that throne in Revelation 3.21 and all my future for eternity going. And I said, please forgive me. I want to do it. Once more, the question came. Are you willing? It was 10 minutes to six. I wanted to do it, but I could not. Your mind is keen when you are tested, and in a flash it came to me. How can self be willing to give up self? Five to six came. I was afraid of those last five minutes. I could count the ticks of the clock. And then the Spirit spoke to me. If you can't be willing, would you like me to help you? Are you willing to be made willing? Take care, the enemy whispered. When a stronger person than yourself is on the other side, to be willing to be made willing is just the same as to be made willing. As I was thinking upon the point, I looked at the clock. It was one minute to six. I bowed my head. I said, Lord, I am willing. Within an hour, the third person of the Godhead had come in. He gave Rhys that word in Hebrews 10:19, having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Immediately said Rhys, I was transported into another realm within that sacred veil where the Father, the Savior, and the Holy Spirit live. Then I heard God speaking to me, and I've lived there ever since. When the Holy Ghost enters, he comes in to abide forever. To the blood be the glory. How I adored the grace of God. It was God who goes so far as to give us repentance. It was God who helped me to give up my will. There were some things he had asked for during the week that I was able to give, because I was the master of them. But when he asked me to give up my will and myself, I found I could not until he pulled me through. An eyewitness tells us that no words can describe the little meeting in the house that night. The glory of God came down, restarted the chorus. There's power in the blood, and they couldn't stop singing for two hours. And then from 9 p.m. to 2.30 a.m., it was nothing but the Holy Spirit speaking things I had never dreamed of an exalting the Savior. When he awoke the next morning, he said, I realized that the Holy Spirit had come in to abide forever. The feeling I had was that he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. It's impossible to describe the floods of joy that followed. That was a reading from Reese Howell, Intercessor, written by Norman Grubb. This issue that we must face is a very painful issue. It has caused me to weep many tears, to sweat and agonize. The question is, Am I willing to give up all self worship? Am I willing to stop all judgments? Am I willing to give up all hurts? Am I willing to be nobody? To be utterly unimportant? to be a total failure in the eyes of men? Am I willing to stop worshiping myself and simply say, Lord, would you come and would you crucify me? The scripture tells us that He must circumcise our hearts, that it's Jesus who must do that. We cannot circumcise our own hearts. It's a supernatural work of grace that the Holy Spirit does by the blood of Jesus. It's not through hard work. But it does require that we recognize and are convicted of our self-worship. And instead of becoming defensive about it, instead of arguing about it, instead of fighting about it, we simply go to Jesus and surrender all of our rights and count for ourselves no privileges, to count for ourselves no right to judge another, but to come and say, Lord, Like the publican. I am a sinner. And I must be made clean. And the publican went down to his house made righteous. Justified, made righteous. Innocent. Let's pray. Lord, I come confessing that this issue of self-worship has without a doubt been the most painful and difficult issue of my life. And I have come to you today with my brothers and sisters to say, let the fight be over. Let me be utterly given by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am willing. I am willing to be totally filled by your Holy Spirit and to give up all ownership of money or even of life. And I put it in your hands, Jesus. I praise you today. I worship you, mighty God, maker of heaven and earth. You are my all and all. So, Lord, let there be nothing not turned over in my heart or in my life. Holy Spirit, do a clean sweep. Let there be no self-worship in my heart or in my brother's or sister's hearts. Let us be washed and scrubbed clean that we could hear you clearly as you command us, go this way or go that way. Lord, I put my trust in you today. I rest in you, Jesus, and you alone. Now, please, Lord, use this word, in the hearts of men and women as you choose. And let me live utterly and completely unto you, Holy Spirit in Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I thank you for listening today. This has been Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. If you're interested in going deeper and more personally, you're welcome to come to the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find the address and how to find us. You can write to me by writing to National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two, one nine five. Again, our address is National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box, twenty three forty six, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two, one nine five. Now I want to thank those of you who have been sending contributions, both in the mail, and on the web page. We're not halfway there yet for this month's radio bill, but we are approaching that, and I thank each one of you who has given. You can give online at nationalprayarchapel.com or you can write to me. I pray this message has been helpful to you today. I pray you will not just casually toss it aside, but that you'll take time to get before the Lord God of heaven and ask him if there's any area of self-worship yet remaining in your heart. Ask him to set you free. Ask him to fill your heart with the joy and the peace and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I tell you today, there is no joy like the joy of belonging entirely and completely to Jesus and resting in him for finances, for physical life, for spiritual life. He is a God who covers everything. So thank you for listening. Again, I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, please, if you have not already. That helps us spread the word even more broadly on Google. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. Friday is a day of prayer. I invite you to plan now to call and pray for your brothers and sisters, for yourself, and for the church. I'll talk to you soon. For the presence of His
1: glory